0: Hi, I'm Esau Kwonga. And I'm Ryan Hunt. And we co-host Stadio, a football podcast, on the Ring of Podcast Network.
1: If you like soccer or football, make sure you search for Stadio, a football podcast, on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's The Bear, starring Jeremy Allen White, Ayo Adebri, and Eben moss Backrat. Season 2 follows as the crew work to transform their grimy sandwich joint into a next-level spot. It turns out the only thing harder than running a restaurant is opening a new one. Television Academy members can watch all episodes at fxnetworks.com slash FYC. This episode is brought to you
0: by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere, get tickets
2: now. It is Tuesday, January 16th. If you're an NFL fan, most Americans are, Saturday's game between the Chiefs and the Dolphins will forever be known as the Peacock game. First playoff game exclusively on a streaming service. The NFL has been experimenting with streaming partners for a few years now. Amazon has Thursday Night Football. Both CBS and NBC simulcast their games on their streamers. But this was the first time that you had to sign up for a service to see who advanced beyond the wildcard game. NBC Universal Payday reported $110 million just for the rights to do so. The results were a success, question mark? The game averaged 23 million viewers, according to NBC. That includes the linear audience in the Kansas City and Miami markets. Down from the average wildcard game, but up from the same game in that time slot a year ago. I was surprised how big the audience was, actually, considering Peacock is only in about 30 million homes total. At least it was at the end of last year. But the NFL is the NFL. People got to watch. And this game did exactly what NBC paid all that money for it to do. Got people to check out Peacock, which they did. Peacock shot to the top of the App Store. It spiked on Google Trends. People bitched about it, of course, all over social media, and the NFL definitely took a small hit from its fans, essentially charging for something they used to get for free. But at one point, there were 26 million people watching this game, and they announced that the TED show, Seth MacFarlane's spinoff, that's become the most watched original series for the first three days on the platform. That's a direct result of all these new users. No numbers, obviously, and I can't imagine other Peacock shows had much of an audience before. No offense to Bupkis, the Pete Davidson sitcom, but it's still big for only a couple days. The question now, of course, is how can Peacock keep all those people that were forced to sign up for the platform to get the one thing they wanted? Does the Olympics matter? Does Oppenheimer matter? Does everything else on Peacock actually matter to these people? And what is the churn rate going to be? That's what we're getting into today with Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg. The Peacock game, did it actually work? From the Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg. Welcome back, Lucas.
1: Did you survive uh, after the the Emmy party last night? You didn't get in. You didn't get pulled over by the cops. You didn't. No, do j- I was
2: in my Uber. I was in my Uber by like eleven thirty. Home by midnight. Totally fine. More importantly, how were the cookies at the HBO party? Because I saw the platter going around, you and I chatted. You saw, you you, saw me eat one in about yeah, five seconds. <laughs> I know, and I was I, I, under normal circumstances, I would have had a cookie. They looked delicious, but I was already too full from a bunch of Italian sandwiches and some hand rolls, so I did not, and I want to know, was, was the cookie as good as it looked?
1: The chocolate chip cookie at the HBO party was delicious. It was quite large, but uh, Well, that I was thought... the other
2: thing. I, I didn't think I could take the whole cookie, and I didn't want to have to like, put it down somewhere.
1: Well, I ate dinner in the middle of the show at like 6, 630. And so I hadn't eaten in a few hours. And it was just what the doctor ordered. All
2: right. Well, that's good.
1: The jello shots, less, less good.
2: Yeah, uh, it was really weird. They had, they had jello shots. They were like fancy gourmet jello shots with like multicolors and like in little shapes. Very odd. But uh, Emmys happened last night. You probably didn't watch. Most people did not watch. We don't have the ratings yet, but I'm sure they were very... Low up against football and the Iowa caucuses, uh, show was fine. I thought Anthony Anderson did a nice job. HBO cleaned up. If you look at the total numbers from the televised and non televised, it was HBO thirty-one wins, Netflix twenty-two wins, FX sixteen wins. Um, and if you combine Disney, Disney doesn't combine all its units like you know HBO and Netflix. But if you combine FX, Hulu, Disney Plus, and ABC. Disney would have had 33 wins, which is actually more than HBO. So. Well, you just, you just said treated HBO as something where you, that
1: is, has multiple pieces. It's really the, whether Warner Brothers Discovery did anything else from, did, you know, CNN win anything? Did the, the, yeah, the animate, the animate, animation from Adult Swim? I mean, I, I, it's almost all HBO and Max.
2: But. Well, it's funny, usually they combine HBO and Max in their announcement, but I'm pretty sure that all of the Emmy winners, at least on the televised show, were HBO proper, HBO originals, not Max shows. Yeah, I mean, I, I
1: feel like the steam behind the, the Max originals has dissipated to some extent.
2: True. They still got Hacks. I saw the Hacks creators last night. Uh, they are fans of the show. They listen to the show. And I told them I'm very uh, anxiously awaiting season three.
1: Uh, that's funny. I told one of the creators how much I liked the show, but since you're you're a celebrity and I'm not, she had no fucking idea who I was.
2: Oh, please, <laughs> please, uh, yeah, I'm a celebrity at the HBO Emmy party. That's where people know who I am. Uh, not anywhere else. Okay, let's move on. Peacock got two Emmys, not on the live show, but for other non televised stuff. And today we're talking about Peacock because I think the NFL game on saturday was a pretty big watershed moment for peacock in particular but streaming in general first playoff game on a streaming service exclusively they got an average of 23 million viewers to watch on a service that it it, i'm sure like many people i i had a conversation with my parents about peacock and how to find it and why this game was only on peacock success right this is a good thing for peacock i think yes the good news
1: is that more people watched a live event on streaming, or at least a live sporting event on streaming in the US than it ever happened before. So you have a lot of people coming in for Peacock. And even if most of them don't stick around, that should increase the number of people who are watching it, paying for it. That is all good news for them. And it didn't totally crash or fuck up or any of that. All of which Yeah, that was is a good. big
2: deal, actually. I mean, the fact that they didn't, I mean, my, it was seamless on my screen. Not to immediately go to the
1: arrow down on this. I will note, though, that the audience for it was still like half the size of the Packers-Cowboys games on Fox, I believe, which is just sort of interesting when streaming at this point accounts for more viewing than broadcast. But when it comes to the sporting events, you can see why the league still want broadcast because the viewer is not trained. There's an audience there. And so if you want to maximize, you're still doing the deals with Fox and CBS and NBC.
2: Yeah, I mean, we'll get to churn in a second, but I, w- I want to talk about this because the audience actually was up compared to the Saturday night primetime wildcard game last year. I think it was like 6% up. Now, and the Peacock number includes the live linear numbers because it was on linear TV in Kansas City and Miami. And it was not what some of the other games took in in the other time windows. Now, I would argue that having a game with a marquee team like the Chiefs, having Taylor Swift there, doing whatever swag dance she was doing in the stands, having the extreme weather that usually lures people in warm climates like myself to watch and see all the people punishing themselves in the stands. I think this game in particular would have been much bigger on Linear, but NBC said it was 16 million people using Peacock. That is a massive number for a service that only has 30 million subscribers or had before this game. I think you got to consider that a, a huge success. For context,
1: the Saturday night game last year was Chargers-Jaguars, I believe, slightly less popular.
2: But true. Huge and, no, and no worldwide pop stars in attendance. It's a huge win for Peacock,
1: and it validates. Look, you look at what's been happening with this service. One, it accounted for more TV viewership. In December, than either Paramount Plus or Max. And people love to treat Max like it's sort of the peer. I mean, we just did it in the Emmys, right? It's like the peer with Netflix and Disney. And for total viewership, Peacock has been inching up and up, and they've taken sort of a slow and steady approach. And this is a big year for them because they have their first ever NFL playoff game, which just happened. They have the Olympics later this year. They totally botched, and they'll even say this they totally botched the last Olympics. But if you can't use the football game and then Olympics, one of the most watched sporting events in the world to sort of to charge your service. I don't know what you're doing. And the, at least on the first count, they, they seem to have succeeded.
2: All right. So we agree that getting this number of people onto Peacock is a win, but it's only half a win because the real game is in churn and keeping these people around in the Peacock ecosystem and Everybody I've talked to since Saturday and I was asking everybody at the parties last night, what happens in two weeks, four weeks, six weeks with these new Peacock subscribers and they're doing everything they can to keep them They're, You know, if you watch the game, you saw endless promos for. Oppenheimer is coming in a couple weeks, which is a great coincidence. They have a huge movie that everybody wants to see that is coming exclusively to Peacock. They debuted the Ted show from Seth MacFarlane that's been in development forever. And it worked on me. I watched it. It was, you know, kind of funny, kind of dumb. And they've got other stuff to throw at people as well. Is that going to be enough to keep these football fans? Or are they all going to be like, somebody I talked to last night who's like, yeah, I canceled it immediately after the game. Well, this it's going to be a mix of all these things. I mean, you're not going to keep, but how much well, of a mix? Like we got to, I want you to put a percentage on the number of Peacock subscribers from the game who, stick around in six months. I'm going to guess that there's, let this is total BS and I'm
1: sure someone could tell me why, why my numbers are off, but I, let's say a third of people are like the person you just described who basically churn and burn right away. They sign up, they watch the game, they're out. Maybe they're not paying enough attention to cancel right away. And that's the trick for these, right? There's a, a degree of inertia that you're praying for. I think there are certain people who will sign up and like plan on canceling and then not cancel. And there's some people who are going to sign up and say, okay, let me poke around. I would guess that they will lose at least 30 or 40% of the people who came in. But even if you keep 40 or 50%, that's millions of new customers. That'll yeah. be It'll be the biggest quarter of growth for Peacock ever, I'd assume. That's
2: worth $110 million and angering NFL fans and getting a bunch of you know, shit posts on Twitter and elsewhere. And it's a and it's a
1: gradual thing, right? Like some people will trickle out now, some people will trickle out later. You know, Peacock has, uh, I think, higher churn percentage than most services. But if you can keep three to five million customers from this for at least a few years, that's a huge win.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned the failures around the Olympics in 2021. But I asked my colleague at Puck, Julie Alexander has done some research on this topic. And she noted that after the Olympics in 2021, the customer lifetime expectation, which is a metric for how many people stick around, it was 11% lower for people that signed up for the Tokyo Olympics than the eight weeks prior to the Olympics. So that means that 11% more people churned out, which shows that a lot of those people were just signing up for the Olympics. Well, you've got two issues there.
1: One is that, Sports fans are different from general entertainment fans. Mm -hmm. And so you have a lot of people come in just for a specific event. And you probably had a higher volume of signups. So, of course, you're going to have more people cancel.
2: Yeah, but, but it's also about the expectation of the person who subscribes. Are you meeting that person's expectations and needs once they are there? And, you know, Peacock in 2021 is a lot different than Peacock today. The fact that they are able to throw a bunch of things at these new NFL fans like WWE, like Seth MacFarlane, like Oppenheimer, all three of those are very male oriented properties. A lot of the Peacock subscribers previously were for Real Housewives stuff and for Hallmark movies. Now they also do Premier League soccer. So I'm sure they're going to throw that at people.
1: I mean, I would say some of their originals definitely skewed female and often to to women of color. I mean, they had the Bel Air, they had the best man. And then there was Pokerface, which was probably their biggest original when it came out.
0: This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com.
2: They have a lot more now to try to keep these people. And I'm sure they are spamming them endlessly with emails and pushing stuff at them. Like, hey, you like NFL? We got WWE. We got Premier League Soccer. We got all this other stuff that you also will like. And by the way, we've got the Olympics Coming up, They were plugging the crap out of the Olympics because I think they're trying to show these people that if you stick around for a few months, you're going to have another premium sports event that you are going to have to sign up for anyways, although the Olympics are also on NBC. Yeah, I mean, the challenge for
1: all of these services that basically are not Netflix and to some extent Amazon is creating a habit. And so I think that you talk about, well, does Peacock do enough to appeal to these folks or to you know make them want to keep it when they come in? That's definitely part of the issue. And I am curious, it'd be fun to talk to an executive at Peacock about like, okay, so you know, you have this influx, like, what are you putting in front of them to make sure that they stick around afterwards? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also just because someone comes in and like looks around for a second doesn't mean that they're going to come back. So how do you build that habit where? Okay, they came and watched football on Saturday night and then they're going to come and check it out to see what there is to watch on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday. That's where where I think some of these companies sort of underestimate the advantage that
2: Netflix has had, where it's just a default for people. Yeah. Well, and there's an added wrinkle here and that nobody wanted to be on Peacock. They just wanted to watch the game. I mean, someone made the analogy to like Game of Thrones, how people used to just sign up for HBO for Game of Thrones, and then they would churn out when the show's over. But that's at least a show that you know is exclusive to one platform, and you want to be there to sign up and pay to watch that show. This is slightly different. This is NBC taking something away from fans and forcing them to go to a platform and pay extra to watch something that they associated with being free before. It's an annoyance factor and nobody wanted to actually be on Peacock. They were just there for the game. I'm glad you brought up the pay extra because there are places,
1: especially I I believe in the UK and parts of Europe, where basically all the major sports are only available if you pay an extra fee. You know, if you want to watch soccer in the UK, you have to subscribe to a particular service or package or pay extra. Mm -hmm. Do you think it makes sense for these media companies as they look to maximize their revenue and figure out sort of what the business model is post cable to cart off sports into a paid tier or where you will have a smaller audience, but they'll all be paying you? Or do you think you still go for maximum audience, use the advertising and to sort of ride
2: cable down to the to the grave? I think you experiment. I mean, look at what Max is doing with the Bleacher Report stuff. The sports from Turner is currently free with a Max subscription. But at some point when they figure their shit out and make it accessible, <laughs> they they are going to charge for that. They were supposed to be for March Madness for this year, but they have now delayed that. They're going to flip a switch and you're going to have to pay extra to upgrade to watch sports. I think that's a smart thing to do to just test it out. See how many people are willing to do that. And it helps you make back all the ridiculous fees you have to pay to carry the sports. I mean, that's the whole problem here. The sports is just so ridiculously expensive to air. So you've got to make money somehow on it. It used to be versus, you know, with your carriage fees and ads. And if that's going down, then you got to figure out elsewhere. So I think all of these companies are experimenting and the smart leagues like the NFL know that they need to allow their media partners to experiment. I'm sure Roger Goodell probably hated the fact that NFL fans were pissed off. They had to go to Peacock. But what are you going to do? That's the future. The audience is going to streaming and your partners like NBC that pays you billions of dollars, they need to be able to experiment here and the league needs to be able to experiment. So I think you do a lot of different things and you see what is going to work best and not sacrifice the fans in this country.
1: How much would you have paid uh, just to watch
2: the game on Saturday? I don't know. 10 bucks, 15 bucks, maybe. But I already subscribed to Peacock, so I don't care. That's the thing is like it was $6 to sign up for Peacock. So it's like an intelligence test. Would you pay $10 to watch one game or would you pay $6 to subscribe to a service? The only thing is cheaper, but you just got to remember to cancel it if you don't want to have that service.
1: I think about that a lot in the context of the local
2: sports. Like, what would I pay a month for access to the Dodgers and Lakers? 30 bucks. I would pay $30 a month for the six months that the Dodgers matter to me. Yeah,
3: but young people would never pay that. Like, a 25-year-old is never, ever, ever paying $30 a month to watch Dodgers-Lakers. No? No. In addition to all the other things they're, they're being forced to pay to watch... Also, like, the idea of paying $10. If it meant
2: you didn't have to have cable, which, which is $100 a month. Yeah, but well, none of them have cable. cable anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. But, like, I don't know. Maybe you turn off some other services. Also, what, Spending
3: $10 game. to watch one NFL game is crazy. I don't think many pe- young people would be doing that either. I mean, if you, if you like, extrapolate that and you want to watch 10 big NFL games every year, you're going to pay $100 just to watch 10 NFL games?
2: No, no. It starts to add up. I'm saying if there was one game that you could, you know, you would have to pay for. But, Craig... How many people you know signed up for Peacock and then canceled immediately after the game? A
3: lot. So I it, it worked in that regard. I just don't know how sustainable that is.
2: Yeah, that's the thing with the NFL. You can only do that so many times. If it was one playoff game a week, that was behind the paywall, essentially. I think that would start to really annoy NFL fans because that's ultimately the problem here is that unlike the cable bundle, there's no flipping around here. I mean, people make the analogy to like when ESPN put the first, NFL playoff game on in 2014. That was just 10 years ago. People bitched that they had to have cable to watch the NFL playoff game. But most of them already had cable. They just had to find it. And the people who didn't, maybe it got them to subscribe to cable, which had a lot of other stuff that they want, plus ESPN, which shows a lot of other sports. So they were like, okay, whatever. I'll get ESPN because I like sports and I like the NFL. This is a little different because Peacock is in its own island. It's not like when ESPN had a playoff game. So it's people having to subscribe outside of their bundle, a service they may or may not have heard of before. And then they're stuck with something that isn't associated with giving them what they want all the time. Although you can watch Sunday Night Football games on Peacock, which I know a lot of cord cutters do. So it's a unique situation. And until we get to a place where these streaming services are bundled and easily intertwined and flipping back and forth is a thing, it's just going to be a hassle for fans.
1: Well, get ready for more of it, because we know there's going to be a streaming package in
2: the next NBA deal. <laughs> <laughs> there will. Yeah, I know. But do you think it'll include the playoffs or the finals? I don't know about year one. Well, it definitely want
1: to include the finals. Finals will be on broadcast TV. but. I think the playoffs, that's a good question. I don't know about year one. I think uh, longer term, absolutely. There's going to be playoff games that they test on streaming because there's so many more NBA playoff games.
3: Yeah, the NBA yeah. playoffs start in April and the finals are in June. It's,
1: it, never, it never ends. It's ridiculous. You could say we'll take like one series, you know, some shitty series. Or the
3: playing and games
2: now. Yeah. So. Interesting stat. NFL games were responsible for 40% of SVOD signups in the third quarter of last year. Subscription services. In the U.S. In the U.S. Those are subscription services that are simulcasting games. So what that is, is people who are never cord people. They they don't have cable, but they want to watch the NFL. Or they are cable people who are signing up for Amazon because they want to watch Thursday Night Football. That is a pretty big number. Yeah, I would be surprised if that number includes Amazon.
1: But I do think, you know, that's the best case for putting playoff games on streaming is if you build an audience during the regular season, because you have fans coming in to watch games on Peacock or on Paramount Plus, or even on ESPN Plus, which people do because you can you can put the games there you then build that up over time because it's like oh well you're already here for football during the regular season and oh by the way here's a here's a playoff game here as well i think it makes sense long term i get why people are pissed off
2: yeah i think most of these peacock subscribers for nfl will churn out of course there's just not enough for them and there's not sunday night football now for them to stick around to watch, I don't Maybe actually. That, I don't. I don't know that I buy.
1: This is where I don't know that I buy that there's not enough, right? Because there's plenty there to watch. It just they've done a bad job of selling it, right? Like there's a library of shows, there's movies, there's originals. We were talking about this before. There was a there was a John Wick spinoff that came out on Peacock late last year. John Wick's huge movie franchise. Neither you nor I knew that the spinoff had already premiered. I did know Mel Gibson was in it,
2: but <laughs> I did not know that it, it had come out already.
1: And and had they done a better job of putting it in front of me,
2: or were I paying more attention or any of those things?
1: Maybe I would have checked out and been like, hey, this is pretty good. The fact that nobody's no, talking know. Know, about I, it.
2: I, I made a joke in my newsletter about a show called Wolf Like Me with Josh Gad and Isla Fisher, which is a thing that has two seasons, and it's on Peacock, but nobody knows. I've actually heard of that one, but... I, that might be because Josh
1: Gad was one of the early people that I followed on threads, and he posts there a lot. He does, and, yes,
2: um, <laughs> and so I think he posted about it on there, but no, but that's the point is it is discovery. They need a better way to discover stuff on Peacock. And um, maybe this is it. Maybe all these NFL fans are going to just, you know, luxuriate in all of the great peacock programming. and we will be talking about how this is a watershed moment. They had to do it. They had to do this. It's a fish or get out of the boat moment for peacock. They gotta figure out how to grow this audience and turn this into something or they just gotta get out.
1: Where does peacock rank in your streamer power
2: rankings now has it has it edged up a little bit? Oh, it's gone up. Oh, it definitely gone up. i mean this is I think this is a big moment for them. How are we ranking here? I mean, in terms of buzz and audience, it's probably bigger than. Apple, it's probably bigger than Paramount Plus now. It's uh, definitely bigger than all the lesser, you know, the AMC Pluses, the MGM Pluses, all the other Pluses. It doesn't crack into the big leagues yet, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, I mean, the question is, it's Netflix, Disney, Amazon are the top three. And then it's basically max hulu and, hulu's up there no well, i'm, I'm including hulu in the okay because hulu's gonna go away and be part of disney plus anyways yes. it's like max and peacock competing for fourth place basically
2: yeah max is still higher i think max is the best service honestly oh i i use it way more i'm just yeah, not just because they had delicious cookies at their party they honestly like the the movies are better like it's got the hbo stuff they now have sports with the turner stuff like news it's it's good peacock is almost there they just need better shows they would tell you they are, you know, they're in terms of use, usage, they're basically even. Yeah. But do, how much of that usage of Peacock is simulcasts of Sunday night football and Premier League?
1: Probably a lot, but they've figured out sports faster than Max. And that has to count for something. I look okay, sure we
2: are in the demo that watches a lot of Max. So yeah, I know. I know. All right, Lucas, thanks for this. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. All right. We're back with the call sheet. Craig, are you excited? It's our first live podcast event
3: that's right we'll be in park city next week (laughs) uh we're going for sunday and i in park city
2: we're not allowed to say it's a sundance event it's not an official sundance (laughs) event uh they they charge a lot of money to be official events but we are doing a live recording of the town on main street in park city next monday we're sold out too
3: right yes we sold out within 24 hours of the announcement so matt you're very popular
2: Yeah, I put an announcement in my Puck newsletter on Sunday, which you should be subscribed to if you want early notices like this. And then we put a little social media tweet out and we sold out. So looking forward to seeing everybody in the snow. It'll be good. We got a special guest. Craig and I will be there. You can buy him shots if you want. Only fancy jello shots
3: from, like, the HBO party had. (laughs) Only fancy.
2: They were fancy jello shots. They had little, like, streaks of color in them. Yeah, I want those. Very very gourmet, I know. All right, so on the Emmys slash awards season kick, I want to make a prediction today about the Oscars. Did you see that the Governor's Awards had a host for the first time the other night? The, The Governor's Awards is the honorary Oscars that they do usually in November, but they pushed it for the strike and they did it last week here in LA.
3: Yeah, I don't know if it was particularly because of Joe Coy's tough opening monologue, but for some reason, the John Mulaney monologue at those awards kind of went mini viral on social media. Everybody was posting his opening remarks about how unaccomplished an actor he was, which is super funny.
2: Yes, Mulaney was great. Uh, It was a non-televised event, but they did record it. And it was interesting to me to see Mulaney do that. You would think it's sort of beneath him to do a non-televised awards event. But what I think is going on here is this was a quasi-audition. I think Mulaney would like to host the Oscars. And I think based on that performance and the good reaction to it, my prediction is Mulaney will host the Oscars probably next year. And if not next year, the year after
3: But, I mean, Mulaney has hosted plenty of things before. Did they really need to audition him with this non-televised award show?
2: No, but I think it's about a relationship. And Mulaney, as much as I love him, and I think he's hilarious, like, my mom doesn't know who John Mulaney is. And my mom is the target demo for the Oscars. He doesn't bring a whole lot to the show from an audience perspective, but I think he would do a great job. I think he's got the right tone, and he can make the jokes about people without being mean. And I think this was an audition that he passed.
3: I think Mulaney would be the perfect choice. He also has like a little bit of that like SNL respect. I feel like any of the SNL people who like go on to host things just have like an underlying level of respect in like the comedy community. Totally. And you could get people to come
2: on and be presenters. And yeah, it's a thankless task. Most famous people do not want to host any awards show, and especially the Oscars, because it's such a platform for people to shoot arrows at you. Most people turn it down. They just don't need it. They don't want that. If you're famous enough that they want you, you probably don't need it. And if you're not famous, then the Academy doesn't really want to take a chance on you to give you that platform. So Mulaney's like, it's th- he threads that needle of like just famous enough, just respected enough, mm-hmm. and just funny enough where he can do the show, and I think he will kill it.
3: I agree. And I hope the the opening monologue, opening joke of the Oscar comes back because that used to be my favorite part of the Oscars. Was like the fifteen minute opening segment that was supposed to be the funniest part of the show.
2: And I feel like that's you gone mean away. like with like a pre tape thing. Yes, like I used to Billy love Crystal that. Billy Crystal appearing in all the movies, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, that'd be good. All right, that's the show for today. I want to thank my guest Lucas Shaw, producer Craig Porlbeck, our editor Jesse Lopez, and I want to thank you. We will see you later this week.